When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And I am so excited today because we are talking with an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur who has started a company that is important to the entire world. And so I am so excited to be talking today with Riggs Eckleberry. Riggs, how are you doing? Deb, it's such a pleasure being in your show and thank you for inviting me. Great. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you and then we'll dive into this. So Riggs Eckleberry came into the water industry from a quarter century in high technology, specializing in commercializing breakthrough technologies. During the dot-com, he worked on a series of tech successes, learning and practicing rapid disruption. That's going to be important in what he's doing now. The son of an international businessman, Riggs learned management in the nonprofit space and also as a commercial ship captain and officer. He enjoys skiing and sailing and enabling the water industry to respond to the fast-changing conditions of our time. So again, Riggs, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Perfect. I love it. Well, you know, I always like hearing from my guests how they got to where they are today. And you truly are working on what we would call a passion project. So tell us how you got to from, from you know, your start of your career to founding this wonderful corporation. Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, I grew up the son, as, as your mm-hmm. bio um, mm-hmm. said, of an international businessman. So my dad <clears throat> was, um, he started with Procter and Gamble after okay. the war. And, um, you know, he wrote this thing called memoirs of a soap salesman. He, you know, mm-hmm. he starts you out, um, racking the shelves and Queens, mm-hmm. so to right. speak. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then he, he was then sent out to head, um, country branches okay. of Procter and Gamble. So, wow. Initially, Canada, and mm-hmm. then we went to Puerto Rico and to Venezuela, and eventually to Paris, mm-hmm. up to Brussels and back to Paris. And he, at some point, I think, you know, decided not to uh, go to Cincinnati and go up the corporate ladder, but just mm-hmm. stay international because way and too much. Fun. International Cincinnati, international Cincinnati, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I remember very well, you know, um, Europe in the 50s and 60s. If you were an uh, American with a good paycheck, mm-hmm. you owned the place. It was right. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember my mom saying to me, I think I was eight. She says, your dad makes 40000 a year. And that was a lot. Right. Oh, yeah. Especially in Europe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So mm-hmm. not only was it a lot in pure dollar sense, but mm-hmm. then on top of it, things were very cheap post-war. Mm-hmm. And then he had all kinds of perks, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, we we had a chauffeur and a, a Jaguar Mark Nine, the Ooh. big Jaguar. Well, the darn thing kept breaking down all the time, so of it was course. very luxurious, but of course, didn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was fun when they took you to school, right? <laughs> yes. Well, fortunately, I did not. I was not going to a public school; otherwise, I would be massacred. Um, but it was um, so. You know, born in Canada, mm-hmm. and then um, you know. Got this sort of from the age of two mm-hmm. to five. I was in in Spanish speaking countries, mm-hmm. um, and then just as I was getting used to speaking Spanish, 
I was shipped off to France and started mm-hmm. the first grade wow. in a French school. Okay. And I went all the way to the uh, seventh grade mm-hmm. in the French and Belgian school systems. Okay. Um, so, you know, um, I, I can get away with people can often think I'm French because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, in the 50s and 60s, you did not want to sound like an American. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you get beat up in the, right. in the courtyard. So, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we made sure my brother and I, five brothers eventually, but initially just one or two, mm-hmm. we made sure that we really blended in and mm-hmm. we'd be walking down the street and, and our parents, we, we would get way ahead of our parents. So, so that you know, as they were talking, French, right. the, you weren't with action. them. No, <laughs> Those people, ah, Americans, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, um, mm-hmm. What I didn't know was that my dad really, really, really enjoyed keeping his John Wayne accent in French because <laughs> the girls love it. Oh know. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord. So he was very much uh, a madman, you know, John Ham madman mm-hmm. figure mm-hmm. with all the good and the bad. I mean, everything, you know, um, and uh, because I think John Ham in the madman was in, I think the Korean war mm-hmm. uh, in the story, right. Mm-hmm. It's all part of that woven in thing and right. has, you know, a complicated background. Mm-hmm. Um because of course, this is an interesting part of the story. He he went through World War II as I think ended up a PF private first class, mm-hmm. maybe corporal. Mm-hmm. But then came along the, the Korean War, and mm-hmm. he just had me, and it was about to have my second brother, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to go back to war. Mm-hmm. And so um, a friend said, "I'll get you into Army intelligence. Mm-hmm. You have to go to war." So he became a major in Army intelligence, mm-hmm. and. Which, of course, you know, there's another part to that, which is they mm-hmm. expect you to commit intelligence. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. They expect you. So he would disappear to like Chile. Right. Right. When things happen with. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, and you, and you couldn't ask for details. He couldn't give you details. He was just gone. <laughs> right. He'd go mm-hmm. to Leipzig in the East German mm-hmm. tra- the trade fair in Leipzig. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm off to my yearly trade fair. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, he was doing his job anyway. Right. Um, but he did, it did buy him, you know, uninterrupted peace. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of enjoyed working mm-hmm. for Uncle Sam that way. He mm-hmm. liked the, the sort of the voodoo of it. Right. Anyway, so we grew up, of course, kind of international and mm-hmm. rootless, right? Because we were never in one place mm-hmm. for very long. Right. And so um, we were a very strong family, mm-hmm. but not very connected to old school friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, have, I count them on less than one hand. Right. And in a way that made me more conscious of the world as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, a region or neighborhood. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, kind of my hometown is, is the planet in a way. Mm-hmm. And that, and then of course, having access to um, really anything um, that my dad thought was right to do mm-hmm. would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Now at one point, uh, coming out of the seventh grade in the French system, I was very French, a little French boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad said, we're going to Americanize you. Oh, no. So he sent me off to uh, Princeton High School, mm-hmm. PHS, mm-hmm. about 2,000 kids, and um, jumped. I jumped a grade. So there mm-hmm. I was in uh, just in puberty, jumping a grade, being too young for my class, and completely Right. At oh, my gosh. Yikes. I ended up, you know, really being very, very shy mm-hmm. um, as a result of all that. And um, and I didn't connect well with the high school mm-hmm. scene. Eventually, my dad rescued me, went to a boarding school that was mm-hmm. a bit better. But what it did Americanize me. But it also, mm-hmm. um, you know, the French school system at the time, it's no longer much that way, um, really accelerated your learning. I, okay. Going into ninth grade. Mm-hmm. They were doing their first year of Latin. I was, it was my third year of Latin. Mm-hmm. Well, now they don't even do Latin anymore. To hell with right. that. Right. Yeah. Forget mm-hmm. it. So, so as a result, I started skating. I was like, mm. this is easy. And mm-hmm. I had all, I was way ahead. Right. And it, it, it kind of made me a little bit of a non-achiever mm-hmm. um, and uh, relying on, you know, um, being a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you, you relied on your charm and your wit. But the teachers saw right through it. So, you know, I was <laughs> underachieving guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I did um, uh, in, in, in the late 60s, of course, it was a period of great upheaval. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I got involved with a cause and eventually in, um, right out of high school, mm-hmm. got involved in nonprofit space. Okay. And, um, and that was great because mm-hmm. you, I was working for nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it was just wonderful work. Mm-hmm. And in the process, this particular uh, group owned, uh, still does own ships. And I got a, a marine a maritime training. Oh, okay. And eventually became a ship captain mm-hmm. and um, used at one point in the seventies, used my license to go off into the South Pacific and, and have sort of this Conradian adventure and mm-hmm. these places, like for example, the exact place where John F. Kennedy, PT one hundred and nine, where oh, he right, mm-hmm. literally, I was sailing around mm-hmm. those those waters, mm-hmm. and a whole different world. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, realized that um, you know, being at sea in commercial vessels, mm-hmm. very slow life, and eventually, mm-hmm. I decided, you know, I want to be part of the hustle and bustle. Mm-hmm. And came back to um, United States mm-hmm. uh, to become a marketer, and I mm-hmm. and I started learning marketing, mm-hmm. um, and that eventually landed me in New York City in the eighties mm-hmm. um, because I got really really excited about technology. Ah, because the nonprofit thing was wonderful because mm-hmm. you're trying to make things better, but outside of that. The real um, lever to change mm-hmm. things is technology. Right, we see that, and today. that would have been the point when tech was really taking off. Correct. Uh, so, what I started doing in New York City, I started a company, of course, with no money, and um, found myself with a biweekly payroll of twelve people in Manhattan. It was oh ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what I was doing was taking companies from the the paper ledger, safeguard ledger, mm-hmm. you know, bear down hard. Right. Uh, to these small AT&T uh, network computers mm-hmm. and um, building a business mm-hmm. that was exciting, different, mm-hmm. fun, except chronically undercapitalized. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think I understood well enough how to deal with finance and, and mm-hmm. the life cycle of a company. Well, and you uh, had a nonprofit background. Exactly. You know, and, 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 and I always clarify nonprofit does not mean no profit. <laughs> you know, if they don't have money coming in, they can't function, <laughs> but they do have a very different mindset about it. Exactly. So, um, because you're putting back all the money back into it, right. essentially. Mm-hmm. So this, this was, um, I was doing great work, but I started getting discouraged, mm-hmm. um, about four years into it because, um, starting, a company on the path to computerization, all the works up front. Mm-hmm. Then you have, after that, you have decades of, if you do your job, they'll stick with you. You'll be right. the, the mm-hmm. computer company. And that's, that's the life cycle is very long. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. So I was like, oh my gosh, another one of these things where I barely break even. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I implement a whole system, custom mm-hmm. programming, all that good stuff. And then I got to do another one. Well, mm-hmm. so that's when I, committed really the first major error of my career, in my opinion, mm. which was that I got discouraged mm. and I gave the business to my good friend, Juan Anderson, who's mm-hmm. a wonderful salesman. And he's made, he's become a millionaire off the business because <laughs> he inherited mm-hmm. his customer base right. and added and to you'd it. work through all the bugs. And mm-hmm. so he got that, that annuity. Mm-hmm. And so the the really important thing in business, I think, is what's your recurring revenue right. off of um, something you create? Because mm-hmm. the cost of acquisition is often very high. Mm-hmm. And so often I see, you know, um, I'll buy something and they don't come back at me with what's next. Right. And they went to all this trouble making me mm-hmm. a customer. Mm-hmm. Now what, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he he went and took over and that was great. And, and then I... Um, started trying different things mm-hmm. um, to, to sort of um, I went through a phase of finding myself Okay. because before the online space bit me, mm-hmm. I was uh, destined, I was supposed to go to uh, New York university film school. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would have been in, in the class just behind Martin Scorsese's oh. class. Oh, mm-hmm. but I, I left that. Mm-hmm. But then, it, you know, fast forward, if you know, t- uh, 20 years, I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I really want to do film. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, fortunately, I have a brother mm-hmm. who's in film this day. Ah. I said, Stephen, mm-hmm. I 
I'll do film. And he goes, mm -hmm. I can get you in there. Mm -hmm. Well, what followed was a wonderful adventure, uh, nonstop. Mm -hmm. They work so hard in the film industry. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord. People don't realize how hard right. it is night and day. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in like chunks of time. Exactly. But, yeah, it could be 24-7 for those chunks of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was in production. And so you're just mm -hmm. basically, right. you know, nose down, tail up, mm -hmm. just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing mm -hmm. it. And uh, I'd be on shows that I, the, the, the only drug I wanted was sleep. Mm -hmm. That's all I wanted. Was like, right. Mm -hmm. You know, six weeks in and you've only been sleeping four or five hours a night and mm -hmm. you're like, kill me now. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and I had all the, all the work I could get, mm -hmm. but then I was, um, in the in the meantime, I'd also started a wine importing business. Ah, well, you did spend a lot of time in France, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So love wine, and so I had a wine importing business in Tri City uh, area, mm -hmm. in New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, Washington, mm -hmm. uh, Massachusetts, and um, and so I had put that on pause to go in the film industry. Mm -hmm. Then I went. Well, I got to wrap that up. So on my way back east. Mm -hmm. I happened to drive through Colorado in the winter. Ah. And I went, you know, I've never ski bumped. It's pretty nice there. I'm from Colorado. What part? I grew up outside of Steamboat Springs. Now, uh, Hayden, what part? Uh, Walden. So, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sure. But, but yeah. Beautiful oh, yeah. land. It North is Park. absolutely North Park gorgeous. Is mm -hmm. People don't realize. And. What they say, as you know, is you come for the winter, you stay for the summers. Right. Oh, yeah, because summers there are fabulous. Mm -hmm. And I, you, and you and I live in Florida and Georgia, so we really appreciate the no humidity summers, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the, by the way, one of the, I, I bought a Tesla a few months ago. Mm -hmm. One of the best things about it is when you park the car, you can leave the AC on. Right. And go do your stuff, come back, and the, the car is still cold. Mm-hmm. That's that's like I worth love it. it. It'd be worth it for that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Especially in Florida. Mm -hmm. So, um, that so I was driving through. I was, um, I remember being on a bluff overlooking the presidential range, mm -hmm. looking west towards the presidential range. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I said to my girlfriend at the time, I want to ski bum, and she goes, Well, you can ski bum. <laughs> I'm not going to. Right. Uh oh. <laughs> Oops. So. So sure enough, I I turned forty, mm -hmm. working as uh, a, a cook two. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's the the chef, the cook one, cook two, mm -hmm. all the way down. So I was a cook two in this five star restaurant. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing, but of course, by then I was starting to pick up. I uh, being a guy at sea, being mm -hmm. a, you learned uh, very quickly. Mm -hmm. I was learning so so I picked it up. Mm -hmm. And I was surrounded by 20-year-olds and having the time of my life. I, I bet. Best, mm -hmm. best season. Mm -hmm. It was so much fun. Um, and pretty soon I'm like, okay, I, I'd be on the gondola going up to work in my chef's uniform and mm -hmm. people would engage me in conversation. And and these film guys would say, Riggs, what are you doing? You, you, your career is going to go down the drain. I'm like, I like it here. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> right. But eventually I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I really should start thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And so I shed a tear and left Summit mm -hmm. County, Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, because I had spent the winter at Keystone, mm -hmm. uh, which is the best. And the reason, the reason why Keystone is so great is they have wonderful accommodations for the staff. That's right. One of the it's not like Aspen things. and Vale where you cannot afford to live. You have to, you know, mm -hmm. you have to go down, you know, uh, Leadville. I mean, right. it's horrible. Or you have 12 people in an apartment. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so it, it 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 was kind of a big reset for me. And, mm -hmm. and I liberated and I got to, um, and I, I strongly believe that one should do that. One mm -hmm. should do these right. life resets. Follow your passions. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and I, I got some good stuff out of that, which I'll mm -hmm. discuss in a minute. But um, I eventually made my way back to LA mm -hmm. with full intention to get back into film. Mm -hmm. And then I had another brother who was in high tech. He was mm -hmm. uh, working at a company called Quarterdeck at the at the mm -hmm. time, and he said, "Riggs, I need help. There's this product. 
it's going, it's, it's, it's broken and, and you need to jump in and do a little contract work for me. Mm-hmm. I jumped in and I worked on this software product, which mm-hmm. later became fairly successful called, called Clean Sweep mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. an uninstaller product. Mm-hmm. It became a, a brand. Right. And I fell in love with the hustle bustle mm-hmm. of the software world. Mm-hmm. Remember that before I'd been in the customer facing right. B2B world. Now, mm-hmm. this was you create a feature and you mm-hmm. know that that feature is going to be used by thousands of people. Right. Mm-hmm. It's such a feeling. And it really solves their problem. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And another thing that I learned was I was a product manager for the for the product mm-hmm. and my entire development team was one guy. Mm. Now this is a company with 1200 people, but with that one guy, we did everything. Mm-hmm. And I learned that small teams are really, really, really good for getting things done. Mm-hmm. They're very efficient, mm-hmm. especially in programming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got things done mm-hmm. and, and Another thing, big thing I learned, this was the summer of 1995 when Windows 95 was coming out, the first mm-hmm. 32-bit Windows. Right. And we 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 were late. We were not going to make the Windows 95 launch, but mm-hmm. it was a Windows 95 compatible product. Okay. It a million things to associate Clean Sweep 95 mm-hmm. in the mind of the public mm-hmm. with Windows 95, a companion mm-hmm. product that right. was mm-hmm. Windows 95, Clean Sweep 95, mm-hmm. and we would do these bundles at Staples mm-hmm. and all this crazy stuff. And that summer, I spent a million dollars, um, and I have no idea what worked <laughs> out of that million. Mm-hmm. Like this, that, but something did mm-hmm. exactly. And I, I must I must add, that's my motto: overkill mm-hmm. works, mm-hmm. right? Which I think I've told you already. Mm-hmm. Right. That 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 motto, like mm-hmm. just do everything, mm-hmm. and you just don't know ahead of time what's what's going to work. Mm-hmm. Well, it it became. We destroyed the uh, the leader in the space, which was called Uninstaller, mm-hmm. and um, and it became a, a brand that, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, saved Quartadec mm-hmm. when it was sold to Symantec mm-hmm. and so forth. So, out of that, I I started really <clears throat> um, loving um, the software space, mm-hmm. and and um, started from that point on a career as a person who would take somebody's product. Mm-hmm. Here's what happens: people develop products, and then, then right. they go, "Okay, now let's market it." Yeah, well, now we don't know what to do with it. It's fun, and it does this, but yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, I, I, I would run into people like, "How can we get this great mm-hmm. product?" But what do we do? Right. So, I would do that, and mm-hmm. I, and I built a business mm-hmm. in, in doing that stuff, and um, we got to the year 2000, mm-hmm. which is the big, the big crash of 2000, mm-hmm. and that. Actually, I liked because there's nothing worse than an overhyped bubble environment mm-hmm. because nothing. Oh, and tech was just wild. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And it just happened with crypto. Mm-hmm. I mean, when mm-hmm. that happens, you, you, there's no fundamentals anymore. You know, right. idiots get, get funded. Mm-hmm. And so if you have something good, you're kind of crowded out. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was actually good. We, mm-hmm. Year 2000 hit in the 90s, throughout the 90s. Um, we, uh, I'd gotten some good exits, as they mm-hmm. call them. Uh, I loved the dot com. It was mm-hmm. just my. Whereas in the eighties, I'd done computers for computing. Mm-hmm. In the nineties, it was computers for communication, right? Mm-hmm. As dot com, right? I loved that, and mm-hmm. I really uh, got into it. Mm-hmm. Got to the uh, year two thousand, and then, as I said, started doing some really interesting mm-hmm. projects. Um, there was a company called yellowpages.com dot com that mm-hmm. had survived. Right. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I helped get them sold to mm-hmm. uh, a consortium of Bell South and mm-hmm. a couple other baby Bells. And that was a success. And then mm-hmm. I finally got to be no longer a V level guy, VP marketing, mm-hmm. but a C level guy. Ah. I got recruited in to be the number two at a software firm that wanted to get on the NASDAQ. And mm-hmm. we successfully did that. Mm-hmm. Only one small problem, which was that I could tell this company was going to die. Oh, no. It, it was going to die. It, mm-hmm. it had the practices that it had um, mm-hmm. from inception. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I, the, the culture of a company mm-hmm. is created early on. Mm-hmm. And it, it stays, that culture is very right. persistent. So, mm-hmm. for example, if you have a culture of excellence, mm-hmm. then that'll tend to be. Right. Well, but if you it carries through, corners, mm-hmm. right? The cutting corners that too will persist. Mm-hmm. 
And I was finding as the COO that I could not change that culture because mm-hmm. it was being driven by the CEO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is not good. Mm-hmm. I can't have, you know, I, I love being a COO. Mm-hmm. It's that just like in film, that production mm-hmm. manager stuff, constant. Mm-hmm. But if it's dysfunctional, I don't want to be a part of right. it. Mm-hmm. So I had gotten to know some fun guys. Mm-hmm. And these, and I called up um, Jim from this particular fund. Mm-hmm. And I said, Jim, I think I could be a good CEO. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, you could be a, I think so. Mm-hmm. But Riggs, we're not doing tech anymore. We're doing green. Mm. And, and in fact, green. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and in fact, what we are doing is we think that algae for biofuels is the future. Mm-hmm. It's the ideal transition mm-hmm. um, feedstock because you can burn it in cars, right. but it's sustainable and it's mm-hmm. it's a good transitional feedstock. Mm-hmm. So I want you to go find a technology and start a company and we'll go public right away. Mm-hmm. That's what they did. And we'll get going and we'll create a great company. Holy cow. So, <laughs> long story short, I have another brother who's an inventor. <laughs> you have a very talented family. Well, and they're diverse. That's the important mm-hmm. thing. Right. They're yeah. Diverse. Everybody went every which direction. Right. Mm-hmm. I've got another brother who's an architect, so when I finally build my mansion, he'll come do it and right. all that stuff. Thanksgiving must be fun. <laughs> Y'all Except get together we're, and we're, just... no, we're nowhere near each other. There's right. only a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a modern America, right? Mm-hmm. So um, out of that, you know, I, um, I launched this company called <clears throat> Origin Oil, mm-hmm. algae having been the original mm-hmm. oil, mm-hmm. because petroleum comes from algae. We right. know that. Mm-hmm. I had so much fun. I was the darling of the media. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, who knew? I was on CNN. I was on uh, Fox Business. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, you know, I was called Algae Man on, on TV. But it's mm-hmm. back when TV mattered. Right. And so mm-hmm. um, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Then along came fracking. Mm-hmm. And fracking crashed the artificially high price mm-hmm. of oil, which is $120 a barrel, right. down to less than $50. Mm-hmm. And overnight, we're like, we don't have a business model anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a science experiment. Mm-hmm. And we had to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. Ironically, algae could do it today because fuel has come back up right. big time. But uh, at the time, we're like, whoa, mm-hmm. we got a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we transitioned the company into water because mm-hmm. we had this technology for taking the particles out of the algae, mm-hmm. microalgae out of the water, right. very similar to taking the sewage particles out mm-hmm. of the water. So right. You're we, purifying we it. Mm-hmm. And that brought us to the current company. Mm-hmm. But what I learned, what I found was that the water industry is this primarily governmental space. Mm-hmm. That is just um, very momentum, very business as usual. Mm-hmm. This is what, how we do it. We don't change much. New technologies mm-hmm. take 12 to 15 years mm-hmm. to, to be adopted. So very right. slow adoption. And the the media was not interested. Right. I remember it wasn't being, sexy. I was at the um, in Manhattan. I was on press tour, and I, I mm-hmm. remember meeting with the Fast Company editor. And, and I knew Fast Company; it was my one of the magazines I'd worked with as a mm-hmm. software guy. And she and she goes, "Water? Oh, I don't yeah. want to know about water, mm-hmm. right?" So, a a space that was not very disruptible, mm-hmm. kind of invisible. People mm-hmm. think water is important, but they don't want to know too much about sewage, right? And um, kind of taken for granted and mm-hmm. a governmental monopoly. Right. That's where I found myself before I started figuring things out. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, and and it it is it, it's such an interesting journey, obviously. Um, you know, and and but, but yeah, so tell us. So you you founded Origin Clear. So tell us more about that, because that is now your passion. So here I was with a public company, mm-hmm. and we launched in 2007. It was now mm-hmm. 2012, 2013, when, when the fracking thing really mm-hmm. cut us off on the algae thing. We reinvented ourselves into water. Mm-hmm. And, and as we had this technology. Mm-hmm. My brother Nick had a great, great technology. Mm-hmm. And yet there were these barriers to commercializing it. Mm-hmm. And we just kept hitting up against that, hitting up against that, mm-hmm. not getting anywhere. Not moving the needle, as the VCs mm-hmm. like to say. Um, and so it was just going on and on like that. 
And finally, I said, you know what? We can't do this. This is this right. is not. We can't do a pure technology model. Mm-hmm. There's no water industry has no incubators. There's mm-hmm. no idea lab. There's right. none of that launchpad stuff. Mm-hmm. No Y combinator. None of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Nicholas eventually went off and he took the technology and he's done wonderful things with it mm-hmm. on his own. He's succeeding marvelously. Mm-hmm. And I took a different path, mm-hmm. which was more like, how do we change conditions in the industry? Mm-hmm. And fast forward to 2018, which is when it all kind of this whole big shift happened. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, as early as 2016, I had uh, recognized from a really um, pivotal piece of research by a group called Lux Research, mm-hmm. that the trend in the water industry was towards decentralization. Right. And what Lux said was that since 1961, the water industry has not spent enough money mm-hmm. to build and replace its infrastructure. Right. As a result, operation and maintenance costs, O&M, kept rising, rising, right. rising. because like- stuff needed replaced rusted through you know all sorts you of know things. and you patch mm-hmm. it and this mm-hmm. and that it's like having an old toyota celica mm-hmm. and you, you keep putting more water in the right. radiators there's only so much radiator. that duct tape can do right <laughs> i heard a rumor once that that scotch tape was invented for model t's i have no idea if this if that's true or not you know that sounds like a good thing <laughs> right. yeah anyway so um so i had a chance to acquire mm-hmm. This wonderful technology that downsized from those big, big water systems down okay. to local businesses. Okay. And we created something called modular water systems. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that plus another uh, business that we bought uh, a couple of years before mm-hmm. was now our operational area. Mm. So we started building modular water systems. Mm-hmm. And that was a death march because it took forever to build mm-hmm. it. Um, and so 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. this, I mean, you know, it's doing like 200,000 a year. Nothing mm-hmm. is like, this is killing me. Right. And then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. COVID was a great time to figure out whether you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Uh-huh. Because everything just kind of <coughs> crunched in. Exactly. And uh, myself and my my uh, my top um, um Corporate development guy. Mm-hmm. Corporate development is slang for fundraising. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Top corporate development guy, Ken Berenger, and I, we we like looked at each other like, oh Lord, mm-hmm. um, Modular Water is not growing fast enough, mm-hmm. and the other division uh, in Dallas is kind of static. Mm-hmm. We have to do something. Right. We have to figure out what is going to really, mm-hmm. really, really move the needle mm-hmm. and, and disrupt things in the industry. Mm-hmm. And after lots and lots of hard work, we figured out it's the money, stupid. If if I can, you know, if you, Deb, have a brewery and mm-hmm. you're getting hassled by the local mm-hmm. authorities and they won't take your water and you're having to truck it to the next right. county. Yeah, because you've got waste products. And you decide to take it in-house. <laughs> well, do you have that million dollars to spend on a water system? Right. And do you have a water expert? Mm-hmm. Well, we come along, we say, Deb, we're going to... Just sign here, 15-year mm-hmm. service contract, mm-hmm. pay by the gallon. Mm-hmm. Well, don't buy the system. It's mm-hmm. ours. And we'll maintain it. Right. We'll just run it. Mm-hmm. It's water service, right? And that idea caught on like crazy. I bet. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's such a strong idea. Mm-hmm. That, and it's and then we we kept this um this culture of working with everyday investors as opposed to working with big funds. Mm-hmm. And so it became a lot like uh, people investing in oil wells mm-hmm. where, um, you know, you can invest in, in one of these master limited partnerships mm-hmm. as they call it and get dividends and all mm-hmm. that stuff from the oil wells. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, we structured it very similar that investors can invest in a basket of properties mm-hmm. that would remain with the company because remember, we're not selling them to the end right. user. We're doing a service. Mm-hmm. So the asset remains there that that secures the investment, mm-hmm. and now the investor gets to uh, reap over time mm-hmm. royalties, and everybody's mm-hmm. happy. So that has been developing, mm-hmm. and it really started, you know, taking off in 2022 in terms of building the capital because that's what mm-hmm. we had to do it. If you're going to do a lot of these deals, you better build some capital, right? Because right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you're funny. Because you've, it's kind of this continual churn. 
you're having to, you know, you solved Deb's problem, but that's mm-hmm. a million dollar machine. You had to come up with a million dollars somewhere yourself mm-hmm. in order to, to um, do the uh, mm-hmm. service model with Deb. Right. So that's what we built. We were building throughout 2022. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, modular water takes off. <laughs> they just blew mm-hmm. out. It finally, they had hit their inflection point mm-hmm. and they, they more than doubled their revenues from 21 to 22. Mm-hmm. They've been on a tear. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we realized, wait a minute, we've got combination here of um, a great technology for these downsized mm-hmm. modular, long life, um, easy to maintain, standardized mm-hmm. units, and the financing of it, kind mm-hmm. of like GM, GM Financial. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is what's happening now: is we 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 created this water as a service business. It's called Water on Demand, mm-hmm. and uh, we're in the middle of of um, merging modular water systems in with it mm-hmm. and creating a new company mm-hmm. called Water on Demand, which um, now has its own funding. We mm-hmm. uh, just today, uh, this we're the 9th of March right now, mm-hmm. today we announced the launch of a crowdfunding round ah. for Water on Demand. Mm-hmm. So people can invest as little as $1,000 mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Um, and they are they have this new company. Now, it's highly disruptive. Why? Number one, decentralization, which 2016 was just a, a, the first blip of it. Mm-hmm. And nobody was like, I talked decentralization, people, like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Now it's reality. It's mm-hmm. happening a lot. Mm-hmm. Secondly, a lot of what they call now Aquatech, because mm-hmm. it's become a thing, Aquatech, mm-hmm. is Aquatech's taking off, except that the problem is capital. Mm. So we provide the capital with mm-hmm. water on demand. So the combination of technology and capital mm-hmm. is very powerful. And so we're moving very quickly to, to build these things up, to mm-hmm. put in some great industry advisors, mm-hmm. to, um, to you know, the, the modular water is, mm-hmm. is headed by this visionary mm-hmm. uh, innovator to engineer guy and, you know, give him more help. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's amazing because look, there, there's a, let's talk about megatrends for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very good thinker called Peter Zehan. Peter Zehan um, is a geopolitical strategist, and mm-hmm. he he t- he he presents to Langley. He's that kind of guy. He okay. very strategic guy. Mm-hmm. One of those he smart says, dudes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He says they ask me questions, I can't ask them questions, right? Ah. Mm-hmm. But what he has said very, and I think he's dead right, is that the world is deglobalizing. Mm-hmm. Everything's being reshored. Mm-hmm. So things are coming back and it's going to be regional. The world will be regional. And mm-hmm. the most powerful region is going to be North America. Mm-hmm. Right. That Because that's where a good chunk of the money is. Also resources. And mm-hmm. guess what? Mexico has a wonderful workforce, well-educated. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, literally competitive labor-wise mm-hmm. with China and closer and mm-hmm. democratic. Right. Right. Um, and and actually, the Canadians have a lot of um, sophisticated industries, mm-hmm. so right. the whole thing works, right? Mm-hmm. What we're going to see, according to Zihan, is a manufacturing boom as we rebuild manufacturing mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. And the great news about that is it won't be the old Rust Belt stuff that was built in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. It's going to be brand new, right. you know, year 2000 plus mm-hmm. stuff with all the AI and the robotics, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it will happen so fast that there's no question of trying to build a bunch of new sewage systems. They'll have to be integrated. Right. Yeah. The because the infrastructure is not exactly. there. Mm-hmm. So it's, so it's ever all the infrastructure and what I'm talking, water, I'm talking energy, mm-hmm. I'm talking telecommunications, everything mm-hmm. is going to have to be in place. Right. Unitary, mm-hmm. unitary infrastructure. And so that way it can expand rapidly mm-hmm. and we're going to see a lot of that happen. Um, and so doing the this decentralized water treatment really is the great, great trend mm-hmm. of the next 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> we're positioned with this, you know, really strong brand, modular mm-hmm. water systems, mm-hmm. this new concept, modular water, uh, water on demand, mm-hmm. really be the answer to these uh, small to medium, you know, 500,000 to $2 million sites, mm-hmm. which are too small for the big water companies. Right. But because we do assembly line production, we can do them. Right. You can customize to what they need. 
Exactly. So that's super exciting. I mean, now yeah. I'm starting to have fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, and like you said, na- now people have really come around to the fact that they understand how important water is. Um, you know, obviously Flint, Michigan was one of the first things where people went, wait a minute, what, what, do, what do you mean? What have we been drinking? <laughs> you know? um, and, you know, but, but we also, as you said, you know, we see all of this innovation taking place and, and I'm guessing that in, in many cases it, it's, you know, not only is it where the existing infrastructure doesn't exist, it's not close to where that happens. You know, it's, it's not going to be outside of say New York or Atlanta. It might be in, in much more rural areas and yeah, there's just no way to have that infrastructure there. You're so you're so dead on. We're seeing a lot of, especially you know, COVID drove mm-hmm. a lot of explosion. Yeah, everybody went. I don't want to be in the city because <laughs> right? cities became traps. Mm-hmm. And what we learned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, the the labor costs are high, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You move on to the rural areas. Now you don't have any infrastructure, right? And so it's got to be it's got to be self-contained infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So that's, that I think. Um, makes it um, mm-hmm. the water thing super strategic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got some great clients already mm-hmm. that that have. Um, I really can't discuss, but right, you know, right, this is proprietary, obviously. Mm-hmm. But one of the uh, and very interesting um, um, types of, of customers mm-hmm. is housing developments mm-hmm. that you know by having self-contained water treatment, they don't have mm-hmm. to pay for that multi-million-dollar sewage right. connection mm-hmm. because they're out in the hills somewhere outside mm-hmm. of Alpharetta, Georgia. Right. And now they just go ahead and plunk mm-hmm. it down, self-contained water mm-hmm. treatment, and they and, you know use well mm-hmm. water if you want, and you're mm-hmm. off and running, right? Right. So all of a sudden we have this you know highly independent um, water mm-hmm. system. And here's the other important thing: our water infrastructure is vulnerable to sabotage. Mm-hmm. Right. It's there's like been, the electrical grid. You know, there's exactly. there are key places where if some nefarious entity wanted to cause problems, they could cause major problems. And we can't live yeah. without water. We can't live without electricity. So the water processing itself, but also people could poison the water as well. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. there's all kinds of um, Yeah, they go to a treatment plant, drop a, a little vial and yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I you're not old enough to remember, but in the 60s we used to talk about people putting LSD in the water, water <laughs> supply. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it never happened. I I don't think. Maybe it did, and we just didn't notice. But yeah, you were just you know, happy that day. That, it was a great day. <laughs> Felt very insightful that day. Right? Yes, but you saw <laughs> lots of pretty colors. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The world is beautiful today. Mm-hmm. But so um, we really now. How does this scale? Mm-hmm. It scales by remember that that we have this ability to finance mm-hmm. systems, and right. investors are love. Mm-hmm. Especially because I'm I'm going to Main Street investors mm-hmm. who ordinarily don't have an opportunity mm-hmm. to get what the big funds get. Right. So like like you deal. said, they could do a thousand dollars. Thousand dollars, ten thousand, whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they are accredited investors, mm-hmm. then they have, you know, it's a hundred thousand dollars plus, mm-hmm. they get a, they get an even better deal. Right. Um, they get the royalties. The people mm-hmm. who invest a thousand, they get mm-hmm. shares. Right. So it's a different mm-hmm. deal. But every everybody gets to gets to play, mm-hmm. and they get to participate. Now mm-hmm. we have we have um, flow of funds mm-hmm. that we can put to work here, but it's always easier to raise money than to build stuff. Mm-hmm. So we raise all this money. And now we got to build a bunch of of water plants. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we delegate that? Ah, there's water companies all over America. Mm-hmm. We'd be delighted to like. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have money for a water system and a mm-hmm. client. Happy to do it. Right. right. So we decided strategically to go, okay, um, we've got the technology. Mm-hmm. We can do some building, but we can just easily license it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we've got the money. Let's go ahead and bring in, be inclusive, and mm-hmm. include the, the local water companies mm-hmm. so that if I get a deal in Seattle, I don't have to deploy uh, a water expert to Seattle. Right. They're there. The mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. that's makes sense. And so mm-hmm. that's scalable. Mm-hmm. And then at the international level, water on demand, what I want to do is replicate the financing model mm-hmm. to other finance centers, mm-hmm. Dubai, you know, Tokyo, mm-hmm. Singapore, et cetera, 
where they will do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We end up with an international mm-hmm. network. That's kind of our long-term vision. Right. And now we can really make a difference mm-hmm. in terms of water for the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's uh, what that immediately makes me think of is then, okay, we've got all of the third world areas. Mm-hmm. How is this applicable to them? Well, let's take a look at India, for example. Mm-hmm. They are spending $90 billion on a hydrological project at the headwaters of the Ganges. Mm-hmm. They have to because mm-hmm. of what's happening with uh, deforestation, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They have to fix it. But they don't have the money to build a good sewage system in the main cities. Mm-hmm. And so what are they going to do? Literally, they got people in the sewage, sewage tunnels digging sewage out by hand, dying of the sewage gases. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to build central systems. Mm-hmm. What's the solution? The solution is decentralization. Mm-hmm. You know, self-contained, you can build a sewage mm-hmm. network where everything's taken care of mm-hmm. by the the factory, mm-hmm. the, the housing development, right. et cetera, mm-hmm. right? And that is a great way to do it. Let's take uh, an example right here in the United States. Uh, Miami-Dade County mm-hmm. grew, um, well, a century ago now, mm-hmm. about a century ago that they built out, and they did it without a lot of urban planning. As a result, they have about 100,000 septic tanks in the county. Right. Yeah, because that was the technology that that you used at that time. You put in a That's septic That's what was tank. called decentralization back right. then. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is um, we have a lot of saltwater encro- encroachment. Right. And so those septic water. systems fail. Bingo. So now Miami-Dade is saying, well, uh, we, we're going to go ahead and um, build sewage pipe out to every one of those sites. It's cost oh. us six oh. I want to have that gonna... pipe contract, right? <laughs> well, here's the problem. Number one, it won't cost $6 billion. It'll cost $8, 10000000000 billion. Right, right. Number mm-hmm. two, it'll take 20 years mm-hmm. of ripping up streets. Mm-hmm. And, and non-safe conditions. I mean, that's exactly. going to be one of the big things. And the problem, you know, will continue all that time. So mm-hmm. how about we simply put in a rebate program for people to convert their septic to mm-hmm. a closed circuit, right. modern, mm-hmm. what they call black water treatment mm-hmm. system with a sludge tank and mm-hmm. you pump it out once a year. Right. Done. Mm-hmm. And that's the solution for Miami-Dade. It's mm-hmm. also a solution for uh, New Delhi right. in India. It's the mm-hmm. same same, same con- Yeah, it's the same technology. Well, and I was also thinking about, say, Lake Powell. I mean, you know, that's obviously been one of the things that's been in the news a lot is that, you know, it, now granted, it, their concern there is electricity because it's, you know, but but yeah, that lake, you know, you messed with Mother Nature and sometimes Mother Nature gets annoyed. Um, and yeah, so they're, you know, they're having all sorts of issues there or the Great Salt Lake that's drying up. I mean, you know, all of these various infrastructures that we've had in the past as you said, they age, they change, you know, and, 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 and municipalities and, you know, whether it's a county city, whatever, they don't have that money to replace those systems, which is why they fail. Precisely. And so there's, here's the solution. If, if the money is not there to, mm-hmm. to, um, to cope with the growing mm-hmm. needs of the municipalities, then take the load off, reduce right. the load, mm-hmm. unburden them mm-hmm. and, you see, 90% of all freshwater demand is by industry and agriculture. Mm-hmm. Right. The people are only 10%. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we have crops we have to water and things we need to build. Bingo. Mm-hmm. And so that 90% figure is pretty much the same all over the world, but mm-hmm. the ratio is different between agriculture and industry. Mm-hmm. America, it's roughly half and half. Right. In Somalia, it's 90% agriculture. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So that's the ratio. Mm-hmm. Now, if we unburden the industry and agriculture users from mm-hmm. the system, mm-hmm. the system will be able to treat, will be able to serve the people better. Mm-hmm. And that's how we'll solve the Flint, Michigans of the world mm-hmm. by having less burden by commercial entities mm-hmm. and more attention placed mm-hmm. on consumers, right. residential users. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and it's funny, the marketing person in me knows that you know, things like this are so important to our millennials. You know, they they want, you, know, you talk about a group that wants to be green. I mean, you know, I just bought a, a graduation gift for, for someone and, you know, he wanted a briefcase 
but it couldn't be leather. It could be. And I actually found a vegan briefcase. I was just very fascinated with this. I have no idea what this, you know, it's like, I'm not sure how this works, but, um, but yeah, they, they are now an entire demographic who are very conscious of not destroying the environment. And so, you know, the fact that you can have these for individual areas and homes I would think, like I said, the little marketing person in me went, ooh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're really going to be interested in this. Well, not only that, it brings me back to my nonprofit roots. Like, mm-hmm. I'm doing something that's not just commercial. Right. This is actually so- mm-hmm. social justice. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the, why, why are all the water problems in the poor areas like Flint, Michigan, Compton, mm-hmm. California, mm-hmm. Jackson, Mississippi? Because they are at the tail end of the water distribution right. system. Yeah. So they get the, I hate to say it, the leftovers or nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really terrible. Mm -hmm. And so they're badly served. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't do much about that. What Mm -hmm. I can do is I can relieve the burden Mm -hmm. on the municipalities so that they can then, you know, for example, Ireland, in Ireland, water's free. Mm -hmm. Well, why shouldn't it be free here? Right. There's no reason we pay mm-hmm. taxes. We mm-hmm. should take care of it. Why right? shouldn't it just be included in whatever? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And that is the dream that that really propels all this. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have this period of this this company that that we're that we've now spun off mm-hmm. called Water on Demand mm-hmm. with this built-in great technology mm-hmm. already in revenue, already mm-hmm. rolling, and it's now got this crowdfunding, um, uh, you know, uh, unaccredited mm-hmm. investor. Funding mm-hmm. thing, and that's very powerful these days. Right. I don't know if you've heard, but um, people raise a lot of money from these these crowdfunding for things um, that are. I'm like, really, <laughs> you crowdfunded a movie? <laughs> you know? But but yeah, people are looking for ways that they can invest, and and as we said, they're more importantly, they're looking for ways that they can make a difference. Wow. So so I, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited that um, I bet you know that this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I'm having fun doing it. My, my team is, is, you know, after all these years mm-hmm. is a really great team. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the things that I love doing is I do every Thursday night, I do a CEO briefing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I talk about what's happening right now mm-hmm. every single week. We're up to our 200th, um, uh, zoom briefing. Okay. So pretty much since the beginning of zoom, we've been doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's this continuous thing mm-hmm. where people can know what we're up to and it's really good. We have, you know, um, it, it's live. So we mm-hmm. have different execs in the company mm-hmm. involved and so forth. And I, I invite people to join It's mm-hmm. you know, Thursday nights, 8 PM Eastern. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can't make it, there's a replay right. and mm-hmm. that, that allows me to, to be in touch with the audience, mm-hmm. to, to talk about what's going mm-hmm. on. And I believe that makes a more um, dynamic company. Right. It makes them more vested in it because we all love transparency. And two-way communication, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, how, how many times can you actually contact the CEO of, you know, and, and, and be in communication with the CEO of a company that's, that's doing what you're doing, you know, or any type of company? Um, you know, you, you can't. And, and yeah, so then you're much more likely to, you know, give resources, time, whatever it is. Money. So that's the, the you know, it, 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 this is a good time. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's nonstop. Oh, I bet. Uh, you know, we have big plans for where mm-hmm. the company goes that I can't really discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Well, we'll have you back on. So then you can update us. Yeah, give me about three months and I'll be able to tell you so much. I love it. You know, and it, it's, it, it, this has just been fascinating. We actually only have five minutes left. Um, and, <laughs> wow. you know, and, and it's, to me, this is just, yeah, it's, and, and I don't know, maybe it's because I'm from the West and, you know, and, and, and the wide open spaces. That was why I was thinking, you know, rural areas. I mean, it's, it's perfect to, to be able to do that. You know, I remember when I was, this is a long time ago. One of the things they did was they put in cable. You know, this is when they were first doing cable. And all of a sudden, we had HBO. And, and they had run it from Wyoming. 
Um, they'd run that, and people, you know, people in Denver didn't have this, but for some reason they ran it from Wyoming. And we were just fascinated by this. I mean, we had HBO long before other people did. Um, but but yeah, the rural areas are such a great place to have all of this happen. <laughs> Because as you said, you know, it's, there's, there's obviously the space, there's, um, you know, uh, reduced costs, all sorts of things. And people want to be there. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be in the cities anymore. You know what? Why not? Why, mm-hmm. Because why not spread it out? Right. Why, you know, we, we can, we can have a good mm-hmm. low density world. Right. Mm-hmm. And as long as the services are there. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can have our little garden right. plots, make mm-hmm. sure we have our own yeah. vegetables. Yeah, because when we're spread out, there's much less less impact on the environment. I mean, that's yeah. that is is one of the big things. I think it's really the end of the mega cities, and mm-hmm. it's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh, Riggs. Like I said, we just have a couple minutes left. So tell people, you know, how do they find out more about what you do? Um, how would they reach you if they were interested? And and you know everything about everything about what you're doing in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> Very simple. Um, the company is Origin Clear. Mm-hmm. OriginClear.com. Mm-hmm. If you go to that right away, you'll get a pop up to invite mm-hmm. you on my CEO briefing. Yep, it did. It There's popped it. up for me. Mm-hmm. Top top right is an Invest mm-hmm. Now button. Ah, green invest big now. green button. Mm-hmm. You'll have your opportunity to invest either as an accredited investor. Mm-hmm. Or as this brand new mm-hmm. uh, crowdfunding investor, mm-hmm. and also if you're more specifically interested mm-hmm. in water on demand itself, mm-hmm. that's you can either access that through Origin mm-hmm. Clear or directly as WaterOnDemand.net. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are super excited about getting you on board, every single one of you, with mm-hmm. whatever you want to invest mm-hmm. and be a part of this great adventure. Right. Uh, we think it's the most exciting things ha- mm-hmm. happening in in mm-hmm. water. Therefore. Really making this explosion of water mm-hmm. out of the government world into the private mm-hmm. privatization mm-hmm. happen really fast, and right. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. such a creative way to deal with mm-hmm. it. That's not just you know giving giving money to charity what you know mm-hmm. to charity water, right. which I'm all for, mm-hmm. right? But this goes a step beyond and makes right. it a really this is an ongoing place. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and your website is great. It's got so much great information, um, you know, and, and lots of learn more buttons. Those are always good. But um, but yeah, so if but if somebody wants to really reach out to you, how can they do that? Well, if very simple, you, um, if you get on my newsletter list, right. um, because here's a secret. I send out my newsletter to 40,000 people. Mm-hmm. When you reply, it goes mm-hmm. to me. I love it. Like you Simple. said, then people are vested in it. And I tr- and I I do my very best to answer everybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you're on the list, just hit reply. Mm-hmm. Also, when you show up at the Thursday night briefing, mm-hmm. um, I I basically you know it's a webinar format, so I mm-hmm. let people comment, and then I mm-hmm. I answer every single comment mm-hmm. and uh, to the group. Mm-hmm. And that way, if it says, well, "What about your stock price?" Well, mm-hmm. let me tell you, blah, 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 mm-hmm. right, right there on the spot. Right. I love it. And again, it's originclear.com. Can't be much easier than that. Well, Riggs, this really has been absolutely fascinating, um, you know, and, and and from from so many aspects, you know, learning about how you, you, you know, built the business, all of these things. And as we said at the very start, this is something that will make a difference, you know, truly make a difference, you know, worldwide uh you know and and so that's what's what's fun about this and that's why i I can imagine you're so excited because yeah you can see this will make a difference um you know it's not the latest and greatest widget that somebody's inventing you know what you're doing is long term um and really will have an impact so that's been what is has been so interesting about learning about this you know and and we will have you on again because we want to find out what's going on so you know we'll we'll do that but until then, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Well, what I was just thinking, you know, we were talking about all these crazy uh, esoteric things that I did throughout mm-hmm. the years. And you know what? These things like my big ski bum reset, I think it kind of led in a strange way to this, you know, really practical yet creative uh, development. Like, I think I, I needed to be this sort of like... Um, outsider coming in kind of thing 
and have that attitude, uh, not only disrupting industries, but disrupting my own career at irregular intervals. And I, I think it's okay. It's okay to disrupt yourself. It's a good thing, right? And then you actually come up with these creative solutions and you have the, the context to make things happen. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of grateful that I did crazy things. So I, I don't know if that's helpful to your audience, but mm-hmm. I think that's part of why we're doing well today. I love it. Well, I'm, I really have been having such a great conversation with you. I've been talking with Riggs Eckleberry, the founder and CEO of Origin Clear. I'm Deb Creer. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thank you, Deb. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.